Welcome to the Waypoint's What's the Point podcast. I'm Erica Castiglione, the Director of Women's Discipleship here at Waypoint, and we're going to be talking about good neighbor teams today, and I'm joined by a few friends. Um, I'm Jay Punt. I'm Amelia Punt. And we served on a good neighbor team together recently. And my name is Rachel, and I work for World Relief as a wellness specialist. All right. And you're also a Waypoint member as well? Yes, a member for about a year, attending for almost two. All right. And what's World Relief? World Relief is a refugee resettlement agency. Um, what that means is that we welcome refugees who have recently come to the United States. So starting from picking them up at the airport um, to serving them for up to five years after they've arrived. Um, so resettlement means, and, and being a refugee means that um, someone who is in a country um, who, where there is uh, like persecution or war or political problems um, can flee for their own safety uh, to a secondary country. And from that secondary country, they can register with the United Nations as a refugee, and then they wait usually years and years before they are um, allocated to a, another country like the United States, um, places in Europe, Norway, uh, Germany, Australia, and then the country that receives them is um, given the task of helping them resettle. So for the first 90 days, um, they're in their reception and placement program, uh, which helps them with education, um, finding school for the children, finding permanent housing, um, getting public assistance benefits, etc. All right. Well, when Waypoint was founded, I guess eight or nine years ago, uh, the majority of uh, the congregation was involved um, in a Good Neighbor team. Um, but in recent years, uh, some Good Neighbor teams have shifted a little bit, and we've grown a bunch, and we realize a lot of people might not be familiar with what this ministry is. And uh, we just wanted to talk about it, why Jay and Amelia um, decided to be a part about, of it and their experience and Rachel's role kind of as a liaison, mm-hmm. as a worker and part of our church. But before we uh, do that, we normally start with an icebreaker. So I thought it'd be good to have an icebreaker about countries since we're talking about mm-hmm. people coming from other countries. So what are some countries you visited? And if you could visit any country in the world right now, where would you go? If I had, gave you a, a all expenses paid trip for one week somewhere, where would you go? Um, I've, I've traveled to uh, Israel, to Chengdu, China, really close to where mm-hmm. you and Danny served for a while, and a whole bunch of places in Europe, um, Italy, the UK, um, Vienna, a couple others, and I've enjoyed, wait, Austria, (laughs) 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 Um, and I really enjoyed all those trips a whole, whole lot, absolutely love to travel when I get the chance, Um, and we would really like to go to Iceland soon, Mm. Um, so if any of the Waypoint members have taken advantage of the new RDU direct flight to Iceland, let us know all the tips and tricks for seeing Iceland. Cool. I'm a little bit less traveled, um, but I've been to South Korea and Guatemala, and then if you can count Canada, I've been to Canada. Canada. <laughs> I, can't, I count Canada. Oh, and Mexico. I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. um, and I would love to visit Australia, even though the animals there scare me. It would be awesome. <laughs> um, I have had the privilege of traveling to a lot of different places, so I was just going to pick from last year. Last year, I went to Israel as well. 
and also got to go to Lebanon to visit um, a really good friend of mine who is an international student, um, got to go see her hometown. And then I actually am taking advantage of that direct flight what? and going to Iceland. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Iceland at the end of May. Um, and like exciting. two weeks. Super soon. Yeah. So wow. I'm really excited to go. Um, my friend and I kind of just said, where do we want to go and picked it and stuff. So I'll let you know, give you the tips and tricks. All right. Um, but looking forward to going. That's awesome. Well, I've traveled a lot in Asia. I've been to several cities in China, to Thailand, um, Singapore, um, and then I've also been to Honduras. But I've never been to Europe, but I am going to the UK in a couple weeks on a mission trip Mm -hmm. with Waypoint. I'm super excited about going to London. And if I could go anywhere, I would go to Italy, probably. I'd love to see Rome and Venice and the countryside travel all around Italy. So, All right, to jump into our topic, what is a good neighbor team and what does a good neighbor team do? Yeah, so I can start. (laughs) (laughs) So um, as I mentioned, when a refugee comes here, um, they they don't know anybody. They don't know the culture. They don't know um, the country. A lot of times the language, um, everything is new and foreign to them. And so they have a lot of things to learn as they're adjusting. Um, And so a good neighbor team is meant to come alongside them in that adjustment period for a year um, and befriend them. Um, Things to do while befriending them is go over to their house, have tea with them, play games with their children, take them to a park. You can help them with English, but definitely not mandatory. Um, the desire is that you would establish a relationship with them. So just like you would see your friend like weekly or biweekly, we would, we as in World Relief, would encourage you to, to uh, see them um, periodically, like weekly or biweekly, so that you can really establish that friendship. Um, lots of good neighbor teams in the past still have uh, their friendship <clears throat> with their refugee, and it's been a really beautiful um, experience. Uh Another thing that the Good Neighbor team has the opportunity to is to share about why they love the the foreigner, why they love the refugee, and that is that Christ called us to do that, um, and Jesus was a refugee himself, and so it's a beautiful way to, to welcome them um, tangibly, physically, and then also give them the um, friendship aspect. Awesome. What does that look like for you guys as you've served on a Good Neighbor team? Um, well, I'll just start by adding as a volunteer, you get a lot of levels of support, which is something that we really appreciated. So World Relief provides an excellent training um, and Waypoint um, also offers some supplemental training um, just in relation to building your confidence to um, interact with someone from a very different culture um, with a very different set of experiences um, and also uh, how to show and share the love of Christ well um, with the families that you're serving. Um, the, the Waypoint team that we were a part of was pretty well organized, and it's great to be a part of a team so that um, together you can organize making sure that your family really is getting a lot of attention um, from your team uh, going on a regular basis, and you kind of divide and conquer all those responsibilities to make sure that your family is taken care of well. And um, the, really the possibilities of the different ways you can jump in and serve your family are <laughs> endless, and you can cater those to your strengths, to things that you enjoy, to things that you think your family would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, do you have anything else? To- I do. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I kind of wanted to jump into the second question, adding on to what you were saying, Rachel, um, mm -hmm. like like befriending them. And that was like one of the reasons why I wanted to join the team mm -hmm. um, was because Jay and I came to Durham like during the COVID year. And like, it, I don't know, we, I myself just felt alone and like we didn't have any community. And so can you imagine like a family just coming to a whole new country, doesn't know the language, nothing brand new and not having any friends, not knowing anything. Um, and so I knew that um, I wanted to, yeah, befriend them, do what a good neighbor team is supposed to do um, so that they felt like they had someone to lean on and support them. It's a real tangible way to love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? The way that you wanted that community. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to add to what Jay was saying. Um, I, I think the important thing is to invite them to what you're already doing. So there's no need to entertain them or feel like you have to prepare something for them, but just whatever you're already planning to do, um, just bring them along with you. Right. And Amelia kind of hit on this, but I was wondering if you had anything to add, like, why, Rachel, you chose this as a job and why, Jay, you decided to be a part of it, too. There was anything. Yeah. Um, I, so when we first were visiting Waypoint, um, the refugee ministry that Waypoint had in the Good Neighbor Team mm -hmm. was something that really attracted us and made us stay initially mm -hmm. um, as a really unique opportunity here just because we both kind of felt like it was a great opportunity to live out your faith in tangible ways in the triangle and um, try to meet people's needs and meet, try to help kind of be a part of solving real problems um, in the triangle and also doing it because of and uh, in light of uh, Christ and in the name of Christ um, combined with all of the training and support for people who don't feel confident jumping right into all of that on their own. Um, and so that's kind of why we got started and we never looked back. <laughs> yeah. So I, my story will sound at first, like, how does that relate? But it will, I promise. Um, <laughs> we'll so be I, patient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I majored in Spanish in uh, undergrad and I really love speaking Spanish and I um, loved having that skill, but I wanted to have uh, also a skill that was more like helping others oriented. And so um, my final year of undergrad, I, um, I volunteered at a safe home for unaccompanied minor girls from Central America. So like a very specific niche um, population where these girls were coming from like Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras without parents um, and not really speaking a lot of English. And so they would go to the safe home while they're waiting their asylum case to be heard. And a social worker worked there at the home with them. And that was the first time I saw social work in light of refugees, in light of this population and just the support and encouragement that she provided to the, the girls there made me want to be a social worker. So, whoa, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, and I want to do something like that. So two years after undergrad, I uh, started my master's program, got my master's in social work with the desire to work with refugees, um, specifically Spanish-speaking refugees, if I could. Mm -hmm. um, COVID changed my plans a little bit like it did for a lot of people. But in the end, um, I really wanted to pursue a, a career working as a social worker with refugees, which um, World Relief has definitely provided. So I started as a resettlement coordinator, which is the mm -hmm. person that meets the clients the first day that they arrive. I would go to the airport and I would tell them, welcome to the United States. We're so happy to have you. We're so happy you're here. 
And I loved saying that because, um, you know, they experience a lot of different responses from people, but truly I'm so happy that they're in my country and that I get to teach them about life here. Um, all the way until the end of three months. So doing all the initial resettlement work. Um, and then about a year ago, I transitioned into the wellness specialist role, which is mental health. So mm-hmm. I teach mental health groups, um, a wellness class, and then I teach English as a second language, but the content is mental health material. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I also provide individual therapy for clients. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Well, I know with anything that's meaningful and worthwhile, there's really fun, good parts, and then there's more challenging parts. What have been some of the challenges for you guys? And then what have been some of the blessings and highlights as you've done this? Um, If I can open up bluntly with the challenge is, even though you're working with other Christians um, in this group, it's still going to be really difficult to... um, yeah, just figure out like what dates are going to work for everyone and switch with them. And most of the time it's easy, um, but it is a challenge because like we're all trying to do our own life while also adding in, um, yeah, just working with this family and trying to support them. Um, so that was definitely a challenge that wasn't necessarily difficult. It's just a reality. Um, and also the language was sometimes a challenge, like trying to figure out like what we're asking, does he understand or they do they understand what we're asking? Um, and are we going to actually meet at the right time? Because we mm-hmm. think they know what time we're saying, but we don't actually know. Um, those are the two things that popped into my head. I would say related to the language barrier, for me, a, a hurdle to overcome personally is just being shy, for lack of a better way to put it, I guess, especially, um, I don't really consider myself a shy person, but when you're um, trying to become friends with someone who speaks a different language, um, Mm -hmm. has a very different culture, very different way of viewing the world, um, who you feel like has recently been through all kinds of really trying experiences and you want to help them sometimes I feel like I could put too much pressure on myself Mm -hmm. and think that we're not going to know what to say we're not going to know what to do um and I was always surprised by how natural it ended up feeling even though we were barely speaking the same language (laughs) to each other uh, a lot of times um and uh I don't know sometimes I felt like every time we were about to meet with them again, a little bit of butterflies would be like, is it, is it going to work again this time? But it, by the time I leave, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was great. We had some great conversations and experiences. So it's just that, I guess it's that kind of hurdle of um, trying something so new and so different uh, for us, at least. Right. And when there's cultural barriers, too, you know, along with that, right? Yeah. And with the language, too, sometimes you have to get comfortable, I guess, with some silence or like, you know, yeah. like right. just being there sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of giggling. Yeah. Right, a lot of giggling. <laughs> yeah, obviously I haven't been on a Good Neighbor team because mm-hmm. I am usually the person working with the clients, a staff member, but I did want to share, I actually was the resettlement coordinator for the clients that Jay and Amelia were the mm-hmm. um, Good Neighbor team for. And so just thinking about the language barrier, because that is a common 
difficulty. It's difficult for the staff too. Um, but I remember the first day that we went to the airport to pick up the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were a large, a large family. Um, <laughs> and we took them back to the Airbnb where they were staying temporarily. And um, I just, as a resettlement coordinator, when you, when you get the client in the temp housing, you have to explain a lot of things. Like this is how this is how the microwave works here. This is how the stove works here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how the laundry works here. This is where your food is. This food is for you, etc. And so with five children running around, it's hard to explain to the parents, like, these are all the things that you have to know, um, and I'm going to leave you now. So, like, you have to know them, <laughs> and I'll come back tomorrow. But it's really scary for the clients when the staff member leaves them for the first night. Um, but I just remember when you're, when the Good Neighbor team came, and especially you guys, um, just playing with the kids while I was able to, to talk to the parents. Um, and just, they didn't know any English mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like the joy and how you were able to just be with them um, and spend that time regardless of no language. And then I could actually do the things I had to do and say the things to the parents, which helped them feel more comfortable. So, yeah. Yeah, I would say the language of play transcends any particular <laughs> uh, language, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, kids know how to play, even yeah. if they don't yeah. know how to say the right words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, any other highlights or things that you've learned from this process? Um, I went into this thinking that um, it would just be us giving and giving and giving and providing Um, but, uh, every time we went over to visit this family, um, they always gave back, whether it was the wife, like cooking dinner for us or giving us snacks or the children, like wanting to play games with us and teaching us something new. Um, they were always giving more than what I felt like we were giving. And that was such a blessing. Um, because even though like they didn't and still don't know Jesus, like they were showing so much love um, the way that Christ loves people. And that was just so surprising to me um, and made me love them so much. <laughs> um, I would say a highlight or pleasant surprise was um, definitely how like reciprocal the relationship was. And it felt like kind of a normal, well, it's in yeah a normal friendship in terms of both parties were giving to each other um and the other thing that was a really pleasant surprise is um i guess i part of me was going into it thinking that we come from so different worlds we'll never completely understand each other and i was surprised at how quickly i was able to learn about their past learn about their country learn about some important moments in their life and how um, willing and ready and excited this particular family at least was to share all of that. Um, And I remember one particular day that was a highlight for me was when we took all the kids to um, Eno River and we found out that there was a mountain river kind of right next to their house. And so they clearly knew their way around a river and were jumping along the rocks and stuff faster than we could keep up with them, skipping stones and all that stuff. So it was just a cool moment to see how we have more in common than we realize. And it doesn't even take necessarily as long as you would think to unlock all of those shared experiences. Thinking along those lines, I know that you can't speak for them or hold 
group of people, but what do you think they would want us to know about them or their lives, your particular family, but just, Rachel, you can speak to refugees in general, and how can we pray for them? I think one of the first things I wish I would have told myself at the beginning was that they don't feel as awkward as you do, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) Um, or they're not going to judge you for um, asking a question that, like, they think you already should know or something. Mm -hmm. They enjoy your questions. They enjoy telling you about their life, their culture, their history, Um, just kind of on the more practical side. I think something that the refugees might want good neighbor teams to know. Um, and on a deeper level, I, one thing we really ex- experienced from our family is they came over um, during the evacuation and the chaos of all of that uh, going on in Afghanistan. And they had left a lot of family and friends behind. And we saw them carrying that and talking about that and, and trying to call people and FaceTime people and see how they were doing and talk about the the news and the government um and when you when you see refugees here and you don't know them personally you not might not realize mm-hmm. how much they're carrying um from all that's going on in the home countries and the relationships that they have um so that was kind of powerful to see how how they were mm-hmm. carrying that and taking advantage of their new opportunities here and living into that while holding on to the past hurts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I think uh, about refugees in general, a couple of things I want to share is one, to think about, um, there's kind of like three phases that we talk about of trauma mm-hmm. that refugees experience. And so it's like the trauma that existed in the country that they were living in before. Um, so we could talk about Afghanistan, like the Taliban taking over was definitely traumatic. Um, and then the, the journey is traumatic in and of itself. So for the Afghans, Mm -hmm. a lot of them did come straight from Afghanistan, but even now they're coming through Qatar or Syrians are going through Jordan or Turkey. So the time in the camp or the time in the waiting period is also traumatic. They don't have rights in those countries and the people living in those countries don't really want them there. So it's really hard. And then the third phase is the trauma of being in whatever country they're resettled in. So it's a whole other adjustment. So that triple paradigm, it's called, of trauma is really, really hard and challenging. And um, since it's trauma and it's uh, like more mental health wise, you don't see it as much. So that's tricky. Um, but then just the resilience of of the refugees is like remarkable Mm -hmm. so many times i'm so impressed by despite all these things that they've experienced they're still um they're doing great and they're trying really hard um i think that something that people often forget is that these people um were doctors and lawyers and really successful Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. in their country and often had large homes lots of money they were they were maybe like upper class in their country and because of external factors outside of themselves politics, war, famine, um, governments, different militia groups fighting each other. Now they're not there anymore. And so they've lost everything. Um, so it's, I met a refugee who was an orthopedic surgeon in his country. So like, you know, he was really successful. Um, and then also because they don't speak English, it's often easy to think that they don't understand you or they can't, um, they can't possibly know. And so it's just important to remember like the humanity of them 
is really at the base like we're all humans and we've had different experiences but truthfully they they want to be safe and they want to be loved just like all of us Um, and they have so much to bring um to the friendship to the society to all the things um so i think those are really good things to remember um yeah and i think just in praying for them um, praying for their adjustment, that adjustment period, praying mm-hmm. for fellow believers to come alongside and support them. And then I always pray that they come to know the Lord because, yeah. um, you know, ultimately that's our, our hope, right? right. Is that, is that right. people would come yeah. to know him. Um, so, yeah. I, your answer made me think of just how the more I got to know about the, the dad of our family, well, really the whole family, but especially the dad and his past, the more humbled I was mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. we were kind of serving him because he was just an extremely compli- uh, accomplished and competent person. Um, he accomplished a lot with uh, in his position in the Special Forces, and we loved hearing all of his stories about that. But it was just humbling to think that um, we could serve this person who is uh, – just such a great problem solver, hard worker, leader. And it filled us with a lot of purpose, like knowing that um, we could, even even someone who is as strong of a leader and a person as this needs help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it filled us with a lot of purpose to kind of step into that role. Right. Are there any... Um verses or passages or truths from scripture that encourage you as you're doing this work in this ministry anything that stands out um i did think of one verse that jay actually um jay bought me this um oh what do you call it like a poster um anyways it's like one of those things that you buy it like um oh not like Hobby Lobby. Goods. Yeah, Hobby Lobby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Rachel. With like pretty that. lettering. Yes, yes, it's like yeah. that. Yes. Right. Um, and it has Hebrews 13, 2 on it. Um, yeah. And it says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing, um, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Um, and I've just loved having that. Um, and the I actually have it in the wall in my classroom. Mm-hmm. Whether that's, you know, allowed or not, I don't know. But it, just, <laughs> but it does remind me that, um, like, we're here to serve people just like Jesus came to serve. Um, and, yeah, that verse has been a blessing over, like, my years of teaching and, and for serving people um, like the family that we've been placed with. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I mentioned <clears throat> Jesus was a refugee when he went to Egypt, when he had to flee. Um, that definitely informs, like, my opinion Um, towards serving refugees, but also like loving the alien or the stranger, it says Mm -hmm. in the the Bible. And I mean, I wouldn't call them aliens, but I understand that that language means someone foreign, right, to the land. And so I think it's like very clearly commanded in the Bible. Um, Also, like we are not able to go to Afghanistan right now, um, but Afghans are here. Mm -hmm. So it's such an easy way to reach the nations here. And they're... um, they're not planning to go back to their home country, so they're here for the long run. So it's such an opportunity for us to um, to reach the nations for Christ. Yeah, um, we we have a really unique opportunity to reach the nations here in the Triangle, and 
like that's kind of why we joined the good neighbor team because it felt like in waypoint because it felt like waypoint wanted to capitalize that and i feel like the good neighbor team is just a way to do that in a very biblical manner because you know we believe that salvation really is forming relationships with god with jesus um and with the church um and that's also a part of you know of course having your sins forgiven and being liberated from power of evil and all of that and so evangelism also should be relational Mm -hmm. and um and the good neighbor team is just a you can't force relationships to happen but it's a very strategic and committed way to try to build those relationships in a natural authentic uh healthy way and so i really really enjoyed that i also feel like one kind of passage of scripture that took on new meaning for me as i was serving in the good neighbor team it's kind of similar to my wife's which i did not know before this (laughs) but um the parable of the sheep and the goats when jesus Mm -hmm. is saying it's a parable about salvation and people who think they're entering the kingdom of god uh, get rejected because they didn't welcome Jesus when he was hungry and needed a place to stay. Um, but then the people who thought they didn't know Jesus are allowed into the kingdom of heaven because when they welcomed the stranger and the hungry and sick, they were welcoming Jesus. And I always kind of thought that was a particularly just powerful way of talking about salvation and how important your relation it is for your relationship with God to affect your relationship with other people. But then like working with this family made me think there actually was something to you can learn more about Jesus um, reaching out to a complete stranger looking for a home. Um, We didn't learn more about the gospel explicitly, but the really hard story that this family had in their past and the way that they were handling it with resilience and courage, um, and loving their family through it. And um, yeah, I feel like taught me a lot of gospel truths um, in a really powerful way. Um, And and I felt like I was learning from them. Um, And yeah, seeing uh, Christ-like characteristics in them in a really powerful way. Guys, this has been so good for me to hear. (laughs) This is beautiful to hear of your experience and, and to get this perspective. I imagine and I hope that some people listening might want to be a part of a good neighbor team as they're hearing this or be a part of ministry to um, the many refugees that are coming into our community. How can they get involved? Um, Well, James, I got the word from James, our missions uh, volunteer coordinator here at Waypoint, that he's going to post a link on the Realm um, the hub of information here mm-hmm. with uh, steps on how to join a good neighbor team. Essentially, though, generally there are two ways of going about it. Um, World Relief, as far as I know, is almost always looking for more good neighbor teams generally, at least in Absolutely. the current moment. <laughs> so <laughs> if you yes, have sorry. a group of like six to ten-ish people mm-hmm. that want to form your own good neighbor team, then come to James and it'll totally happen. Um, I think that Waypoint also will help you if you're just on your own, but you want to be a part of a good neighbor team that's already forming, they can help you do that as well. So those are kind of two different ways to go about it. Yeah. So just for a little bit of stats, if you will, um, 
the presidential administration is the one that determines how many refugees can come into the United States each year. The cap this year was 125,000, and the next fiscal year was raised by 20,000. So 145,000 refugees have the potential of coming into the United States um, between October 2023 to September 30th, uh, 2024. Um, So that's a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and that is more than we have had in the past several years, past six or seven years. Um, So that means that World Relief will be serving nearly 400 refugees, not including Afghans, um, since they're in a a different resettlement category, if you will, um, alone in the next fiscal year. That's a lot of people Mm -hmm. and a lot of people coming to the triangle specifically. Um, So we do our best at World Relief and we do a lot, but there's still a lot more to do. And so the more volunteers we have, the more... um, wraparound services and ways that we can provide for the clients. Um, so absolutely, if you have a group of people, please be a good neighbor team. It would be awesome. Also, if you're like, hey, I don't have as much um, capability or whole family is a lot to take on. There are other um, opportunities. Tutoring, friendship partner is more of like a one-on-one type of friendship um, opportunity. Um, you can do ESL or you can just be their friend. Um, always looking for transportation help. Um there's a whole list of opportunities that are open on uh, World Relief's website. So if you go to World Relief's website, um, World Relief Durham, then you can find opportunities under volunteer in the Get Involved page. Um, but another opportunity that if you're like, whoa, client-facing, that seems a little scary right at first. <laughs> I don't know what to say. First of all, it's fine. They're, they're just people. You can say <laughs> hi. <laughs> but uh, if you're still intimidated, apartment setup teams um, is a really another, another great way. So... Um, when the clients come, they need somewhere to live. And if World Relief staff set up the apartment, it's kind of sad. <laughs> it's like very bare. Um, but when volunteers set it up, it's very warm and welcoming um, and exciting. So those are another couple opportunities. Awesome. Great. I'd just like to add from my personal perspective, if you kind of listen to what a good neighbor team is about and you thought, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm not exactly sure if we can do it right now. And then you're like, maybe I'll just do one or two of the other things mentioned. Go ahead, like definitely do what you can and do what your strengths are. Um, I would say that being a part of a good neighbor team felt very manageable Mm -hmm. and very doable as kind of an entry-level volunteer position to jump into. And it also really adds the important element of um, coming back around to see the same family again and building relationships And I think it's one of the least intensive, most doable ways to do that Mm -hmm. in a really meaningful way. So my humble opinion is (laughs) just go for it if you can. If you feel intimidated or worried about the time, I believe you can do it. You got this. I was. Give it a shot. I was literally (laughs) going to say the same thing because I am just a, I'm very protective of my time. And I was, I was going to say that that's actually something I was worried about. I remember having the conversation with Jay of like, do we do this? I don't really know. And I was actually really worried about it because I don't like giving up like my weekends because mm-hmm. that's just, I'm an introvert. I need my time. Um, but you are in this with other people and other people are there to support you. Um, and so, yeah, don't be afraid of the time constraints at all. Um, I would say the same thing that Jay said, just jump in and do it because it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the idea 
definitely is that you'd have a team so that maybe like once a month you're on but the other three weeks or so um, other people from your team are are on and also if you have a particular um, language group or people group that you're interested in I think that's like very it's you can definitely like let um, the volunteer coordinator at World Relief know Um, we have people who are Arabic-speaking um, from Syria, from Yemen. We have Afghan-speaking Dari Pashto. We have Spanish speakers from El Salvador, Colombia. We have Burmese, um, Malay, Rohingya speakers from Burma. We have Congolese who speak <laughs> Swahili, Kinyarwanda. We have Eritrean speaking Tigrinya. We have lots and lots of people. Um, so if there's someone that you're like, oh, you know, I went to this country and would love to, to meet with people who have also been there too as a point of connection, um, I'm sure that can be arranged. Right. And at Waypoint, we've also done, like, Thanksgiving celebrations. Mm-hmm. We brought kids in for VBS. We've done some other things, like invited kids to come to our trunk or treat. So also just being aware, even if this is not where you are right now, that yeah. mm-hmm. this community and kind of this perspective that you've been able to hear about today and as you pray and interact with them. And I would love, I'm so thankful for you guys coming today and hearing from you. And I'd love to close this in prayer, but are there any last thoughts before we do that? Anything that you want to share that you didn't get a chance to say? I, I like what you added at the end there. One exciting part of being on a good neighbor team is when you get to introduce them to the broader Waypoint community that you're a yeah. part of. And then those Waypoint members that are at the Thanksgiving or the Iftar or whatever yeah. event mm-hmm. we do, they're super excited to meet them too and it's awesome so if that's a way you can serve that's a great one yeah just thanks so much for having me on the podcast having us here um it's been really fun and uh if anyone wants to talk more about refugee resettlement or refugee ministry um obviously i'm passionate about it and really enjoy it so i'm happy to to get to share that's great well refugee ministry has been part of the dna of waypoint since day one and we just Hope and pray that that would continue and multiply too. So thanks so much and let's pray. Father, I thank you so much um, for Rachel, for calling her uh, to this career and the way that you've prepared her for that. And I pray that you continue uh, to use her, Lord, as a light um, to those that she serves. And I thank you for Jay and Amelia um, for all they do and for their role as on a good neighbor team and their perspective, the things that they've learned and the ways that they've been blessed as they serve. Um, we pray right now, um, if the, if you're stirring in the hearts of others to become involved, Lord, that they would, um, just have courage and have, um, just take that step of faith. And we pray for the many, refugees who are pouring into the triangle right now, Lord, that um, they would see your love and the service of others, that you would protect them, um, that you would go before them for their language learning, for jobs, for their their children who are going into the schools, Lord, that you would just go before them, Lord, guiding them, and that we would be um, your your servants and and serving them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.